Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Unchanged, something we haven't seen a lot going across the board on the soybean market. We saw some higher corn on the day. The wheat, they were kind of on the struggle bus. And we're going to take a look at what's all happening in this market. We had a USDA report, of course, yesterday. We're going to talk some of what's happening in China. South America, as they get ready to take the front seat with their planting and growth uh, taking place in their crop progress. So we bring in Don Rose. Don is with U.S. Commodities. And let's start out this way. I, I like how you worded it. Let's circle the wagons. Let's talk a little bit about USDA report of yesterday. Did our knee-jerk reaction kind of die down a little bit? Yeah, good afternoon, Susan. I think when you look at the market, of course, that September report is a report that can get really give you some surprises. Did last year, remember, it shot us to the upside also. Uh, did again this year. And the reason is because it uh, the government, for whatever else they know, they go to work and add up the on-farm, off-farm uh, uh, crop what's out here and that's the number and that's what you live with well in order to make their number work surprisingly they had to go back to the june stocks number and uh adjust that 205 million bushels on corn then the rest uh, on the soybeans they had to make an adjustment of 52 million uh just because they're like where are the soybeans at uh, they don't know, they're not there, and so they just do put that into a residual category. So the bottom line, uh, shocking adjustments, uh, even back to the June uh, report on the stocks and all positions, and that did push us to the upside sharply and added risk premium to the market because we have less stocks to carry over into this next year, uh, and we're not sure what the yield is yet. We're going to get a big idea October 9th, we'll probably also have some adjustment on acres on that report. So uh, add risk premium because of the uncertainty, and then we're watching some of the other outside weather uh, events around the world. Let's talk about what the yields are looking like. What are you hearing from folks out in the countryside? Well, I would say uniformly we're hearing better soybean yields, uh, all the way from Ohio to uh, Uh, Nebraska and all the way uh, from the Delta up to the uh, North Dakota. So just better yields. Of course, you have some some poor yields within that um, with some of these dry weather. But even in those areas, better. Is it genetics? Who knows? But it seems to be uh, better. Corn, I would say, is uh, much more variable, uh, although bigger yields in some of the surrounding states uh, around Iowa. Uh, Iowa seems to be the epicenter of the issues on corn. You know, of course, we had the derecho. Uh, then we had some very much dry, droughty conditions. So more variable in Iowa, uh, you know, up and down, but a little bit. Uh, I think guys are generally thinking, you know, not bad in the corn here, but it's early yet in the corn. It very much is. I've just seen a few pictures starting out in social media of, of the corn being picked. And I know moisture has been a big concern. So we'll have to wait for some dry down, which gives us time to ponder this October 9th crop report. Any early predictions that you're hearing, Don? Well, you know, I think it's a, it's a question mark on the yields. I mean, historically, the government doesn't contract the yields like we've been doing and then go up. So, you, you know, that's going to be one that is uh, it's possible on soybeans. Uh, corn, uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher. Uh, but small crops are getting smaller is the problem. The carryover is getting smaller and the price is ratcheting up. So what you really need to see in this report, probably 
Uh, Susan, you're going to see an ending stocks figure closer to that 400 million, 420 on uh, soybeans, down from two years ago. We were talking over a uh, billion on the corn. You're probably going to see, you know, closer to this 2.2 billion, maybe two, three, two, one, even, but uh, down. And I think the key is it continues to contract from that 2.5 billion. Some of this is just a carryover of the uh, the old crop stocks in that are lower. So, um, you know, we'll have to see, but it looks like, uh, you know, the ending stocks get smaller again on this next one, unless we get a surprise in the yield getting bigger, which not enough evidence to say that yet. Well, we know that uh, the planting progress has been taking place in South America. I think the last time you and I talked, it was brought up about the fence row to fence row when it came to planting the crop this year. But they, along with Russia and other areas, are definitely dealing with a lot of dry patterns right now. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, as we're harvesting here, you're picking up the pace on planting down there. And uh, just to remind you, they're, uh, in the north we start and the central and then uh, to the south, uh, Rio Grande Sol and into Argentina. But um, where we're at is it's drier in the north, it's drier in the central. Now, both of those are of Brazil. Both of those areas are closer to the Amazon, and you get this monsoonal flow. So it's, it's, it's dry now, but you would have to bet that the odds favor that that moisture pick up. In fact, uh, no, the forecast down there is from the 9th of October on the moisture picks up. Um, I think there's a, there's enough of a wetter pattern that we're starting to see the planting down there uh, pick up ahead of the rain events coming, hopefully. So um, we'll see. We think we're going to get uh, more of a concern in a La Nina year into southern Brazil and mainly into Argentina. So we're more on the watch on that than we are the dry area in the north and the central right now. So as you talk to your contacts and, and the folks that you know there in South America, are they nervous right now with the dryness that's been happening? Well, if you look at it, uh, they go from a dry pattern to a wet pattern. They, they go into the monsoonal uh, rains. They usually start more like the uh, middle of September, and so they're just delayed. So, yeah, the, you're concerned on it. But what happens down there is they try to watch the weather. They try to watch when these monsoonals kick in and, you know, want to get the crop planted as or just before that starts. So, yeah, I think concern, but not an, an issue here yet. So, um, you know, and the same thing with Russia. I think watching the Russian uh, wheat uh, very close uh, today, of course, down sharply on the wheat. But a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Don Rose. He is with U.S. Commodities. And we were talking rain and weather before we went to break. And then over the commercial, you, you made a comment. I mean, we are literally one step away from seeing these markets completely turn around should the weather events go opposite. Yeah, you know, Susan, I've been at this thing 41 years now. You know, it's just hard to believe it's been this long. But um, in trading the markets and risk management, but, you know, it seems like you can work on all these little numbers real, <coughs> real hard and, you know, kind of ha- be uh, comfortable with them. The trade gets comfortable with them. And then uh, it always seems like uh, weather events can really turn you around. And, and that basically is what happened here. A good example this year in our markets where, you know, you thought you were pretty solid on a crop after the August report, and we just went dry in too big of an area. And then 
starts to compound it, you know, the Chinese buying and such. So you really have to keep your eye on the sky very closely. Uh, though, for example, the wheat market just had a, a big run to the upside on drought, droughty conditions in Russia, but we can get some rain there and turn things around. So keep your eye on the sky, we always say, because that eventually is a big deal. Yesterday I was at the Kansas um, Ag Lenders Conference, and, and you and I talked about this before we went on the air, was how much work is taking place right now to to bring more ethanol plants online in Brazil, which gives them a whole new opportunity for utilization of the corn. And it's kind of a double-edged sword for the U.S. when it comes to maybe we're going to have some more corn opportunities to export, but unfortunately we're going to lose in some opportunities in ethanol exports to Brazil. Yeah, you know, that's exactly right. You know, ethanol's been a real big uh, game changer here for the demand on the U.S. corn, you know, no doubt about it. Brazil looks, and we've been selling uh, a lot of ethanol into Brazil from the U.S., but now what you look at is is kind of a, a mature industry here. Uh, South America, Brazil particularly, looks at it and says, you know, that is something that we need to look at, too. So they're rapidly expanding their corn production and they're rapidly expanding the use of the corn. And one of the areas, much like us, as they expand their production on corn and their yields continue to go up, they're, uh, they're uh, building ethanol plants and, uh, you know, going to compete squarely with us, um, not only on, on uh, not importing as much uh, ethanol or any from the U.S. eventually, but also an exporter that's going to help take away some of our customer business. So it is, it's a plus and a minus it, when you look at it, um, probably overall is a net negative with Brazil coming online with bigger ethanol plants. And they've definitely got that alliance going on with China as well when it comes to grain purchases. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you see it not only in the grain industry, but also in the livestock industry. Uh, cattle uh, in Brazil, a lot of hog uh, in- integration with uh, China. But uh, China is trying to also move to a cleaner fuel, and they view at least short term as ethanol as a plus for them. They're trying to build ethanol plants there in China. But they realize, too, that they just don't have the capabilities. They don't have the land mass that uh, Brazil does. So um, much like the old uh, uh, Britons years ago, I mean, uh, China's trying to form these world alliances to help pad their uh, shortfalls. Look over to the livestock side. Are we starting to see some tighter numbers in the cattle market? Yeah, you know, this uh, you know this whole COVID situation really shook up the... Uh, how cattle were placed, when they were placed, and uh, we had uh, slower placements for all the reasons on cattle. We're into those tighter numbers right now, and, uh, you know, we thought right now through maybe the end of November. So our demand has been uh, fairly strong. Uh, the numbers are tightening up here. The cash market is on the move to the upside. We think box beef is trying to bottom here also. But, uh, you know, there is this strong demand underneath the market from uh, Asia this time of year, year in, year out, uh, South Korea, Japan, and now even China. For the holidays, they step in and buy uh, a, a lot of beef during uh, the October. So we're right here, lower demand our lower supply and uh, demand picking up, so that's a good thing with cash moving up. And we know that these cash hog, as you put it, have definitely been on fire lately. Yeah, you know, there again, uh, from the COVID situation, it's kind of that slingshot effect. We got uh, pork so low, prices so low, 
that the consumption went up. Well, now we can't seem to shut the consumption down, throttle it back down a little bit. Um, so the supplies uh, have been tighter here coming into October, kind of a little bit of the opposite of cattle. Now we expect the supplies to grow a bit. The, the uh, cutout, the cash has been on fire. The packer margins are big, $50 a head, $300 a head in the uh, cattle. So, you know, they've got money they can share with. Um, but numbers should pick up on the hogs. And, you know, of course, we got a kicker from the African swine fever in Germany. And what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, you bet. They can reach us here at U.S. Commodities at 1-800-247-4071. Thanks so much. Don Rose has been joining us. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.